Welcome to Inside the Squad, a podcast brought to you by the Community Outreach Unit of the Lafayette, Indiana Police Department. Inside the Squad is hosted by Lieutenant Brian Gossard and Sergeant Scott Galloway. From crime statistics to crime prevention and everything in between, this is your inside look at what's happening at the LPD. Welcome everybody to another podcast, Inside the Squad. My name is Scott Galloway, and I'm a member of the Community Outreach Crime Prevention Unit. And with us today, we have, again, Brian Gossard and Shauna Wayne-Scott. How's everybody doing today? Very good. Good. All right. So anything new, Brian? How's things going for you? Uh, it's going well. Um, I'm back on patrol, just still trying to get my feet under me, but uh, yeah, it's going well. Any uh, exciting calls that you've been on or anything um, had to get used to? No, as a lieutenant, uh, I supervise two sergeants and 18 officers, so uh, they're the ones that are actually doing the work. I'm more of an administrator. Yeah, like like um, usual. Yeah, yeah. Doing so, the work. Yeah, I'm really trying to get uh, used to uh, leveraging the technology we have to you know, better deploy the re- our resources, and that's uh, my big challenge right now. Million-dollar answer. Good job. Sean, <laughs> how about you? How things going for you and your new job? Been there for a couple months now, settling in? Yep, it's going good. Been going to a lot of community meetings and outreach events and getting to know the public very well. And also uh, want to mention that um, our the people that actually run the show, Tom Melville and Alan Schwab, uh, we appreciate them. They're here, and they're going to chime in. And our guests today are Josh Clumpy with the Animal Control Division. And we have a special returning guest, Dr. Will Miller. He is the Lafayette Police mental health expert. And how's your new book going, Dr. Will? Oh, it's good. It's called uh, Miserable at Work. Okay. <laughs> Stop <laughs> Blaming the Job, Fix What's Really Broken. And uh, in a nutshell, uh, it's that most people in my research like what they actually do, whether they're a police officer, a nurse, they feel called to what they do. It's the other stuff that causes frustrations for them. And the premise of the book is that a lot of people don't have enough of a good personal life to fulfill them, and they're looking for the job to kind of fulfill them more than it is able to. So it's about it's really a life balance book. So and, and a great segue because uh, everybody sitting around this table is not going to become rich doing this job, including our animal control division, right? <laughs> this is a job That's right. to fulfill uh, exactly. doing those good things for the community. So again, we welcome Josh Clumpy. He is the animal control supervisor. And um, Josh, if you could just start out, tell us a little bit about what the animal control is. What is animal control in the city? Yeah, I wouldn't start off with a little bit of quick history. Um, Animal Control, or the city, uh, they didn't have Animal Control for a long time. Uh, Our department is really 10 years young. They started in 2007. Uh, Before that, I believe it was uh, 12 or 13 years that the city went without an Animal Control. Um, And our department now is comprised of myself and two other officers. Uh, You know, it's kind of, it's a job that uh, is fulfilling, like you said, and and, uh, the officers that are in it, uh, like Dr. Will said, they, they kind of called to that kind of work. You know, you may not get rich doing it, but, you know, you do enjoy the job. Uh, and the easiest way I always tell people to, to describe my job is you, you see those uh, those shows on uh, Animal Planet, right? The ASPCA shows and everything like that. Uh, that is what we do. A lot of people don't understand that stuff isn't off yet. You know, the horrible abuse cases and neglect cases and the dog fighting and the cock fighting and uh you know the 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 felony stuff you know that all that is all here but you know we also do the simple dogs running loose nuisance animals 
Um, you know, barking complaints, uh, deceased animals in the roadway. Yeah, we get to pick those up. That's real fun. But what do you do with those animals after you pick them up in the roadway? What do you? Oh, uh, they get taken to the uh, uh, Purdue uh, Animal Disease and Diagnostic Lab. Um, the, they do it as a free service to uh, both cities, West Lafayette and Lafayette. Uh, they take in our, our deceased animals and they incinerate them there. So, but uh, and all the animals that we pick up that have a pulse, um, they all go to the, uh, almost home humane society. And that's typically cats and dogs. Cats and dogs. Yeah, we're mainly a domesticated animal agency. Um, when we deal with wildlife, it's it's uh, mainly if the public safety is directly uh, in jeopardy, right? That's, at that time, we'll get involved. Um, but mainly, yeah, domesticated animal, exotics, stuff like that. So how did you come into this job? Uh, I, I'm uh, assuming there's no like training program for uh, yes, animal no. control. Uh, again, when I was hired on, I was hired on in the beginning of it. I was hired on March 2007. So the department was uh, really uh, in, in its infancy. Uh, so when I hired on... Um, they gave you a, uh, a a beautiful polo green shirt with a pair of jeans, uh, keys to a truck, and an ordinance book, and said, "Get at it!" Right. Uh, and over the years, obviously, with the more knowledge and more experience that everybody got, the, the department grew into what it is now. And again, ten years is still infancy for a department. If you think about how long LPD has been here. Um, so we still have a lot more growing to do, and it's all learning. It's all learning. Uh, but I found it. I found the post uh, online. Um, I, uh, I applied for it, and at 20 years, 21 years young, I, I found my career, and not many people can, can say that. So. Uh, you know, as a, as a civilian outside who just is amazed at what it is that you do, I mean, i got to say as a shrink, part of me is that troublesome animals – uh, to me, reflect troublesome humans, mm-hmm. <laughs> troublesome owners. We have some things coming up about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, especially with, say, aggressive animals or when, when people resist wanting to contain or control the animal, I'm sure that gives you fits because you're not just dealing with the, the critter. You're dealing with the uh, human critters. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's, there is a link between... Uh,
you know, it was a dog to me. I, I, I didn't know the, you know, stigma that was attached to the dog. I, I, I didn't uh, much care, you know. It was, to me, it was just an animal. Um, and as I, you know, continue to do my job over the years, uh, I tell people all the time, I'll trust a million pit bulls for I trust one Tarawa, you know. <laughs> so I, I know what that animal will do. Uh, I know what it's, uh, you know, uh, physical features are going to tell me what it's thinking, you know. Um, and y- you get the both sides, right? Uh, the people that want them all off the face of the planet, and then you got the people that it's it's the the way you raise them. And and you know there is a lot of truth to that. But simply, what it comes down to is, you know, the bloodline of that animal, how that animal has been treated. Um, you know, and the life experiences of that animal, but sometimes it's just horrible breeding. You know, people will breed an animal that has, no matter if it's a pit bull, chihuahua, great Dane, it doesn't matter if that, you know, if that animal's lineage is that of an aggressive nature, then that's what you're going to get. Um, you know, the breed specific legislation has come up in the past and, um, the city and its councilmen are, are not entertaining the idea of that because it's just, A, it, it hurts uh, animal control. It really makes it hard to enforce anything because what happens is those dogs go into hiding, right? People start hiding their animals. They don't get them vaccinated. They don't get them neutered, anything, um, because they're f- fearful that, you know, the quote-unquote big bad animal control will come and take their dog and euthanize it, which... You know, that couldn't be farther from the truth, right? That brings up a good point. I remember when I was on the streets, and maybe, Brian, you're experiencing this now, is that people are very passionate about their cases with kids, their vehicles, and animals. Nobody's more more passionate about when they call the police or animal control in this situation about those kind of topics. So do you see that a lot with animals? I mean, people are very passionate about their animals and want to keep them and oh, yeah. defend I, them. And I'm not exaggerating here i had a guy tell me that i can take his wife i just can't take his dog so (laughs) um and it is very passionate and you know i had another situation where uh, a six or seven year old kid was being taken out from the home and they called me for a check well-being on the dog which the dog checked fine vet wise and they had food and everything so i wasn't going to remove it but uh, she sat and watched her kid be taken from uh, Child Protective Services, and then she saw me and immediately got fuming angry with just the thought of, of I was going to take the dog. Well, she wear, was waving by, smiling at her kid. Because you wear different uniforms as animal control, so they right. know you're different than... They know I'm, I'm there for the animals, and but uh, very passionate, very passionate. And, you know, with our bike cases, that is always a... Uh, a very high, highly emotionally charged uh, topic. You know, people get bit and, and they want to, you know, they, it just incites a lot of emotions. So obviously animal control, are you a part of LPD? What, are you part of the city? Yeah, we're, uh, you know, we kind of define it as a division of LPD, but we're not full-fledged officers. We don't have arrest powers. Uh, we're still considered uh, citizens. 
with uh, authority kind of bestowed. Civilian. Uh, yeah. Police. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So how does that work with you guys working with the police department? Like, do you guys work together directly a lot of times? Yep. Our, uh, you know, that's how people get in, in contact with us. They call the uh, non-emergency line, unless it's an emergency. Uh, the 807-1200, that's the, the quickest and easiest way of getting in contact with us. Um, there's only three of us, like I said, so coverage on the streets can vary. Um, but in case that we're not there, LPD does kind of respond to our, our calls and, and uh, will delay them for follow-up if need be by, by us uh, the, the, the next day. Um, but that is the quickest way, 807-1200, to get, a, get in contact with us to to get a complaint on record. Uh, you know, observing on television, you know, when, when uh, you know, animal control officer has to contain a dog, you sort of see how that's done procedurally. Talk to me about feral cats. Feral cats, because feral I've cats. heard that that's a, that, you know, they're out there and apparently it's, it's, first of all, it's sort of a problem, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, it's a problem that, uh, we made, you know, and not not we as an animal troll, but we as in, uh, citizens, you know, the, the community have made. Um, people will uh, release the animals that they don't want, and next thing you know, two unaltered animals do what two unaltered animals do, and uh, they do that a lot. And then you get end result, which is a bunch of them. <laughs> And that have had no human contact. And that, and that is where your feral cat is, right? Uh, and the city defines a feral cat as an unowned animal, right? An unknown free roaming animal. Uh, it's no different than a raccoon or a possum at that point in time. You know, as, as citizens, sometimes we'll, we'll look at them in a different light as a raccoon or a possum because it's a cat or a domestic animal and it's supposed to be domestic. But when it comes down to it, a feral cat is truly a wild animal. Um, so putting kind of that, anthropomorphism that that you know they have to be loved and you know cuddled and so on and cared for uh no you wouldn't do that with a raccoon or a wild raccoon or a wild possum or anything like that uh, because they'll tear your face off (laughs) and it's the same thing with the cats um so the city adopted is about two years ago a tnr program and tnr stands for trap neuter return um, and essentially it's a, uh, it's a program where, uh, you can set up what's called a colony caretaker. And that's somebody that provides, you know, food if they want, uh, water and, uh, like some sort of housing for an outdoor cat. But the idea is to trap those animals, get them surgically altered and vaccinated and so on and return them to that area. And what that does is, uh, and again, I've been here 10 years and I've done it both ways. You're taking that animal and you're putting it back and he's not allowed to reproduce, right? Situation I always say is if you have an unaltered male cat or you got a big male cat in a colony, right? You take that male cat, you trap him and say we euthanize him because he's a a feral cat, right? He can't be owned or loved or whatever. So you euthanize that cat. Well, you just took that male cat out of his colony, right? And it's just like a lion pride. Another big male cat and all his ladies are going to move right into that area, Right? But the idea of trap neuter return is you take that male cat, you surgically alter him, you put him back in his colony with all of his ladies that are surgically altered too. He's going to keep the other uh, cats and other colonies at bay because they are very territorial animals. I mean, you can hear the cat fights and so on and so forth. They are territorial animals. So the idea is you do that enough times, eventually they're all going to die out. Now, TNR is not a 
a snap quick fix, right? It's something that's going to take time. And it takes help with the citizens as well and, and a little understanding. So as a citizen, is there a way for me to be able to tell that a cat's been altered or is part of that program? Yep, yep. Uh, when they are altered, they get the, the tip of their ear um, marked or, 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 t- or cut off. Um, so you can visually see whether that animal has been surgically altered or not. So. so if I see one of those cats, I shouldn't try to trap it and then call you guys. And- right, right. reason we would take it... Uh, cat that's been altered in is if he is causing physical property damage right at that point in time we got to take you know we'll take it from you and who pays for this uh the program and if somebody does want to take care of a colony uh be the pied piper of that colony how do they get involved in that uh you know they can contact us we can set them up look at their situation uh show them what's uh, go through the the guidelines of what it takes to be a caretaker um you know, as animal control, we have uh, that authority to assign colony caretakers, or you go directly through the Almost Home Humane Society, who is a, the TNR sponsor, um, and they'll set you up as well. But you know, the biggest thing is sometimes people kind of think, well, now that I'm a colony caretaker, that's all said and done, right? We're, we're we're done, we're over. It's very important that these people understand that if they do want to be a colony caretaker, that spaying and neutering is your ultimate goal getting them trapped, getting them fixed, and then, you know, doing that enough times. You got a new cat come in, trap him, get him fixed, you know. And talking about these kind of things, um, trapping and, and all this work you're doing, what kind of specialized equipment do you have? I know you have vehicles that uh, are outfitted for specialized uh, things. You also carry kind of a utility belt of equipment, right. So, and you have new equipment coming in. So. Right, right. Uh, well, for the cats, it's a simple trap. And, uh, you know, we tell people if they not are, are not interested in being a colony caretaker and they have a feral cat problem to acquire a trap and, and trap the animals and we'll come out and get them. And hopefully we can put them into a different colony, right? Um, especially if they're causing some kind of property damage. Uh, trap, for those, that's pretty much what we need and, and, and what we... What about have. for dogs? Like yeah, you, you know, like simple. Gun or, uh, no, we don't carry a gun. Uh, on our belt we have... Uh, what we call a bite stick, but it's a it's a asp. Um, we have a utility knife. We also uh, have a radio, and uh, that's all we have right now on our belts. For dogs, for catching dogs, sometimes the most simple thing is a bag of treats and a leash. So, <laughs> and a and a sweet calming voice, or sometimes just open up the door and they'll get right in. Um, but you know, for the aggressive dogs uh, that we got to. Uh, capture you know we have the control stick which is the you know long solid uh pull with a loop on the end um that you again if if you're not familiar with it you've probably seen it on tv quite a few times um it, we have a another tool it's called a snappy snare which is a a, a favorite of mine it, it's kind of like a, a stronger flexible leash where it's it's it helps us to uh capture dogs that don't necessarily want to be captured but aren't aggressive what's interesting is you know you're really you're really from a psychological point of view you're really talking about the issue of compassion and sometimes it's misplaced compassion you know like you know the cliche about you know the individual who has you know 10 or 15 cats and you know there's there are mental health issues with them i know you deal with that uh but also as you're saying and and i'm i've had cats and i'm familiar with cats but dogs more 
Dogs, it seems, you know, really respond to the, to the human interaction and your kindness. So someone in your field, uh, it, it's, I think it's obvious to say you have to like dogs. You have to, you know, want to, you know, your first approach, as you say, is a treat and a leash that the dog responds to. Because anyone who's had a dog knows there's something almost beyond description about their capacity to interact with human 100%. beings. Yeah, yeah. We often say to our dog, Use words. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's a there's a language dogs speak that not a whole lot of people understand, and, and it's all body language. Yes. You know, uh, it's the ears, the tail, the, the you know, hackle, or the, the fur on their back, um, lips, teeth. Everyone, <laughs> everyone out there who has a dog understands that when they're going away, as soon as the dog sees the suitcase, they get a little bit anxious. Yeah, yeah. It's that sensitive. Right. So then if you go to the extreme where it, you're talking about mis, you know, misuse or abuse or something like that, that dog, there's a lot for you to overcome, to communicate. I'm here to help you. It's a really worthy. I'm really proud of what you do. It's a really worthy that. profession. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's definitely a, a, a interesting challenge every day, right? You just don't know what you're going to get into, much like you know police work. So the difference is, uh, if an animal's going to attack me, sometimes it doesn't tell me ahead of time. <laughs> People don't always see there, right? right? Right. So, so obviously, the police department gets a lot of strange calls. I'm sure you get a, some some of the same kind of calls. Yeah. Uh, the one frequently. Uh, we hear that uh, is a little bit out of the norm is the coyote call. Um, yeah. So we've had several of those. Can you talk about you know where you're seeing the the right. animals and what you can do or what another right. agency can do? So uh, a lot of times it's south into town right now, um, and uh, it's simply they're they're getting used to the urban lifestyle, right? Uh, south into town, there's a large ravine that kind of runs through the middle of the south end of town right so that have they always been here or oh yeah they, they yeah. come here from the uh, country a little bit of both i mean the farther out that the city uh grows which we're growing every day it seems like uh the more we're encroaching on what they were used to and what they're finding out is with humans comes easy meals right trash cats your little, you know, little dogs. Yes, they will take a little dog off your leash if you have them in your backyard. Um, so they're scavengers. They are. They are a scavenger animal. Um, you know, they they frighten easy. But you know, we have seen uh, that you know, with with the longer urban life that they've been living, they're getting a little more used to us. Not they're going to come close and let you pet them. But yeah, is getting, that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, you know, it's, it's not really neither. It's neither really, you know, uh, coyote attacks on humans are very rare, very, very rare. Uh, they don't want to pick a fight for any, with anything that's even half their size. You know, they want easy, quick meals. They kill rodents, you know, small dogs, cats, you know, things that, uh, won't put up a, a, a huge fight. Right. So, but they are, they'll, they'll eat dead animals off the side of the road. They'll, um, it, you know, again, rodents are mo mainly their food source and rabbits and so on and so forth. So as far as attacking humans, uh, it's pretty unheard of. They're just around, you know, and we have spoken to DNR a lot uh, about what to do because they are the foremost authority on that. You know, the Department of Natural Resources, they are the foremost authority on the on that kind of wildlife. Right. And they simply advise the citizens and us. Leave them alone. 
you know. And those are those predators, although small. And then, of course, what surprised me about moving here from New York is is how many, in other words, you understand there's like, you know, the city or built-up neighborhood areas, and then outside of that are rural areas. People don't realize how much, um, you know, wooded areas are run in between and among. And, of course, I think about deer. My daughter lives in a place where, you know, there are deer, you know, running through. And I've always heard, um, uh, you know, to what degree do you get involved in what seems to be sort of a population crisis with with deer uh, in, in the whole country and here included. Do you get involved in that at all? Not much. When we get involved with deer, it's mainly because they've been hit in town. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they need put down. Um, you know, we'll assist LPD on that. Obviously, we don't have uh, we don't have firearms. Um, so we kind of assist if the deer needs to kind of be corralled in a different area or, uh, you know, aftermath of of what lpd has do they have predators other than cars i'm not being yeah you got them in this room you know we're predators yeah you know so uh but no uh as far as i mean the coyotes will pick off the babes right or the sick or injured stuff like that you know if you got a, a healthy pack of a coyote they'll do that but as far as um you know one coyote taking down one deer it's it's gonna be pretty hard to do that yeah but if you get a get a healthy pack they'll take down a medium size or smaller any other strange calls that you've strange animals that you've been asked to deal with podcast yeah i'm sure here oh uh oh yeah i got i mean we got plenty um i think it was actually it was 2011 um we had uh alligator (laughs) 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 sunning himself on the wall bash and uh yeah i went and helped out with that but that wasn't our first gator either, oddly enough. Um, uh, we, we've had, you know, 60-pound sulcata tortoise eating some old lady's garden over there by the uh, Columbia Park once. And, um, you know, we've got, uh, you know, a couple houses that, that have a large number of exotic animals inside and of them. So. The exotics, the the snakes, the yep. other reptiles. Yep. Uh, birds, you know, exotic birds and I'm, stuff I'm like guessing that. somebody has a pretty large snake in this town. Oh, yeah, and a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, a, yeah. like 20 feet, 25 feet. Oh, yeah. What talking about? Yeah, yeah. Are they considered affectionate by the people who own them? Because that's what's hard yeah. for the average person to I, imagine. I tell you. Yeah, yeah, I understand the interaction with my dog, but it's like, you know, a snake or... The emotion is still there. Yeah. It doesn't matter if, you know... It, it's kind of funny is, is you know, I, I love my reptiles myself. I know I, oh, I've you have reptiles? I love reptiles, yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, you know, I used to own... That's comforting to them, the animal control person. Yeah. Yeah, really no, I do. I do. If, you know, if there's a if there's a snake call that comes in, I don't care how minuscule I'll go. You know, just because I, I like doing it. But as Brian said, you know, gators are a whole other thing. I don't oh, see gators as affectionate. If I could do what I could do down in South, I would. Really? I, I when I caught that alligator, I was. Yeah. Now that's I, somebody who brought that person that 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 we don't know. creature. Yeah. We don't know. Um he some 18-year-old kid got lost in the woods and found himself staring at a gator on the side of the Wabash and made his way back to civilization called the authorities and I got a call from the county ACO and she's like and I was about ready to get off work. She's like, "Do you know anybody who handles gator?" I'm like, "This guy. Where do I go?" <laughs> so how big was the gator? 5 foot 2. Wow. Yeah. And what, what happened to the, what happened to he him? ended up going down to Indianapolis uh, to a guy who had who used them as uh, uh, educational purposes 
And uh, he had this would have been his seventeenth. He would have had to. Hmm. Yeah, but. Following up on Scott's observation, what equipment was used yeah. for that? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was a funny story. Uh, you know, DNR was out there. I was out there. County ACO was out there, and a couple of people from Prophetstown was out there. Um, and I almost stepped on him because he was in t- tall grass. And um, uh, so at that point in time, they kind of all uh, corralled him, right? And I said, whatever you do, don't let him get into the water, obviously. And uh, all I had was my control stick, that pole with the loop on it. And um, I was able to loop his neck. And at that point, he did his little death roll thing. And God bless Steve Irwin. Uh, I jumped on his back and, oh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and grabbed his mouth and, uh, you know, held his mouth and just kind of looked at the DNR guy. And I was like, you can tape him up now. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. So, can yeah. I ask you something uh, kind of I'm, I'm literally in that moment. Recount that moment. Uh, you who have a feel for the emotion, the reciprocity of emotion from animals. What, uh, what vibe did you get? I'm serious. What vibe from did you get? Alligator? From the alligator. Yeah. Uh, get off me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no, no it was, bonding. He, yeah, no, not much, not too much bonding. He got me back though because when I was carrying him, I was trying to kind of carry him like a. Uh, we had to walk about three quarters of a mile through all the. Uh, it was mosquito infest. It was a whole lot of fun, but he he got me back because uh, we were walking. I was carrying him like a sack of potatoes, and he, he flapped me right in the right in the face with his tail, right in the nose. So, uh, you know. I respected him, all right? Of course, he got to. I mean, the amount of power that that animal, even though at five foot two, they have an incredible amount of draw strength, you know. And my heart was racing, but it was also a lot of fun. So. <laughs> hey, Josh, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Any other parting words uh, that uh, you want people to know about the animal control uh, or what they can do to help? Yeah, just now that we're getting into the summer months, I always like to touch on, uh, like, the dogs and cars thing. Um, yeah. Don't do it if you don't have to. Um, and if you do do it, you know, you, you got you need to leave your car running with the AC on, some kind of water, you know, in for the animal. Uh, a new law just passed where, uh, you know, if somebody sees a dog in a car and they fear that it's in distress, uh, that citizen or animal control um, is allowed to, to remove that dog in, in the necessary means. Um so breaking a window out. Breaking a window out. But, uh, you know, the law does read that citizens that do that uh, could be responsible to at least half of the uh, the replacement uh, of the window of, it, of the any damage that was that was done. Um, animal control, no, you know, or, or, or L poli- yeah, you know, police. And I've people putting signs in the window saying, hey, the air conditioner's yep. on, there's water yep. in here, just so yeah it, exactly and you know and a lot of times it's education they don't understand that that dogs cool themselves down uh through their mouths you know they don't they don't sweat like you and i do um so if they're breathing in 100 plus degree air you're doing nothing but cooking them from the inside out you know and causes heat stroke and there's there's really no coming back from that so like dr will said uh, when when you leave the house the dog wants to go so you kind of feel bad okay i'll take Fluffy with me, mm-hmm. and that's actually a bad thing. Leave Fluffy at home. Yep, yep. Unless unless you're willing to leave your car running and okay. got a good AC, and and, and then Sean's gonna get mad at you because your car's gonna get stolen. Yeah, yep. right? yeah. So, well, some dogs don't won't let anybody come in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's another scary part about the breaking the window. You know, yeah. you got citizens that will break a window out. That dog may love his vehicle. 
you know, to the point where his well-being is not on his best, you know, in his mind. If you break that window, you could get bit, you know, pretty easily. We we had a big dog that uh, he lived his life in a uh, van for a long time, and we were able to get him, you know, signed over into whatever because it was getting detrimental. But if you broke that window, you would have been seriously, seriously injured. So mm-hmm. let us do it. Let us do it. And uh, thanks for being here today. I appreciate all the information you've given. It's been wonderful. Stuff we never even think about sometimes. So I right. appreciate it, Josh. No problem. Um, Brian, you want to go on to questions from the audience? Yeah, the first question is from Dave, uh, who had a question on parking on the wrong side of the street. Oh, you, um, you handle this. You're the patrol guy. Yeah, we see this a lot. Uh, obviously, parking issues are a low priority, so we can't get to all of them. Um, downtown, we have parking services to handle uh, those issues, but uh, uh, the correct way to park is with the flow of traffic. If you park against the flow of traffic, you have to cross the uh, oncoming traffic pattern, and that's always dangerous. Uh, you're also at night; your your lights are on. They're in the eyes of oncoming traffic. So, park on the right side of the street. Uh, Whatever travel direction you're coming from, that's the side you need to park on. And you can get a ticket immediately, right, for Correct. having done that. Yeah. And, it's, and these side streets are really small and narrow, so it's, it's really uh, a problem. And it's just uh, it's definitely streets. about being courteous to your neighbors um, and cognizant of. Uh, I think Dr. Will pulled up on the wrong side of the street today. Is that true? No. Hey, Sean, I'll give you the next question. Um, panhandling has been in the news, and um, we recently had a forum on this. Uh, Beth must have missed the forum, but you can maybe answer this question. What should somebody do if they were asked for money for a panhandler? Well, the first thing is most of our panhandlers in the city are not homeless, so keep that in mind. But if they do ask you for some money, do not give them money. We have plenty of services in Lafayette that will assist them in providing them with housing, food, anything that they basically need. So the best thing you can do is refer them to Lafayette Transitional Housing, which is up there at 18th and Union. And they can get the services that they need up there. But we advise that you do not give them money. And be thick-skinned. If somebody asks you for money and you say no, they, they may start chirping back at you. Be thick-skinned and continue to walk away. Exactly. And uh, the last question is from Karen. Um, she got a letter from Crywolf, and this is something that I deal with a lot. Cry Wolf is a uh, part of our false alarm reduction program, and so I get a lot of phone calls sometimes uh, from people asking if Cry Wolf is a legitimate company. It, it is. We do have a false alarm reduction program, and we do find people for false alarms. They do go to, There is a waiver process, but Cry Wolf is legitimate, and that is who handles the billing. So if you do get a false alarm, uh, do call us. The police department will try to take care of it. And those and, will come from Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, so Iowa, yes. It's out of town. It's got to be a scam. That is legitimate. Yep, that's a legit thing. And we're going to have more on that, um, maybe have a forum on that, because we do get a lot of calls on the, on the false alarms. So, uh, Just a couple announcements from Crime Prevention. Uh, Junior Police Academy will be posted soon. Now, Brian, this will be my first time running that. What's the ages of the Junior Police Academy? Uh, it's really geared toward 12 to 14-year-olds, so the tweens, okay. um, early teenagers. Um, and space is limited. We usually try to cap it at about 30 kids. Um, so it's three days, um, sometime in July. Yeah, we're going to do the, uh, probably the second week in July. I think we've got it set okay. up for them. And we'll those announcements will that. come out on next door, Nick's old paper tickets. We'll post it on okay. that. Okay. And the, um, the next one, we're already getting a lot of, uh, feedback and requests for the citizens Academy. We're going to start that in September. And again, it'll be the same thing. We're going to put it online. 
we'll put on social media, so make sure everybody gets a chance to sign for that. And that is a limited too. What we put that about thirty or forty. Yep. Um, and people that do sign up for that, we want you to be serious because it takes a, away a spot from somebody else if uh, you sign up. So it is a pretty large commitment. It's ten weeks. Ten weeks. Uh, every Wednesday for three hours. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, we get a lot of good feedback from that. And then the last thing we'll talk about is uh, a tip of the day. So, Sean, what do you have for our tip of the day for crime prevention? Well, obviously the uh, summer festivals are coming up. So the main thing that we kind of want to talk about is if you're – if you have valuables, like Josh said with the ACO, leave it at home. Don't bring it with you. Don't leave it in your car. If you do, for some reason, have to bring it, lock it in your trunk or make sure at least it's out of eyesight. So when we talk about your cars, make sure that you lock your cars and double check to make sure they're locked because a lot of times people think they lock their cars and then they leave them unlocked and that's how items get stolen. And uh, I have two more things. Um, one, uh, I want to thank Dr. Will Miller for being here. Um, you can pick up his book, uh, Miserable at Work and Refrigerator Rights. Uh, on Amazon, Amazon. On Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what, your website? My website is drwill.com, and I have a podcast there. And uh, other than the books, I don't sell anything. Okay. <laughs> sell yourself. And what's the email address for the podcast questions? Any questions is uh, podcast at lafayette.in.gov. Uh, lastly, uh, our host, Scott Galloway, oh, just God. got promoted last night. So he is now a lieutenant. Lieutenant Scott Galloway has a nice Not ring to it. Thing. Uh, and uh, <laughs> thanks, Brian, for bringing that up, trying to keep that down low. But uh, we want to thank Tom and Al. We always forget to do this <laughs> at the uh, very end here for, for running this program. They do an outstanding job. And what's incredible is so far in the podcast, we've had incredible voices. So we've had um, AJ, the lady from Street Crimes, the deep voice of Josh. How do you guys handle that? Uh, <laughs> That base and those, I mean, that's incredible that you guys be able to do that. So thanks. Uh, that wraps up for today. Appreciate it. Uh, make sure you download this and spread the news that we're uh, doing this podcast. Thanks for listening to this edition of Inside the Squad. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next podcast. Inside the Squad is supported by the Lafayette Police Foundation. To discover how you can help support LPD, visit www.lafayettepolicefoundation.com. Dot com.